0: history is alive and well here in quorum in the sense that everything we do is based on the principle that you need to understand your past in order to uh, make changes in the present and to be in control of your future you can write a new story
1: Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast. I am Alberto Ligi, your host from London. And as you know, the purpose of the podcast is to inspire you to be a bit more philanthropic, to act sustainably, and to embrace social entrepreneurship. Please subscribe to the show. It makes a huge difference. And also, please share with others as well. Very much appreciated. Today, we're speaking with Carol Homden, who is the CEO of Coram. Now, Corum is a children's charity. It's 280 years old. One of the, or actually the, oldest charity focused on children. And uh, and Carol heads up some wonderful initiatives that make the lives of children better in many different ways. Carol, thank you very much for joining us on the Do One Better podcast today. It's great to have you on board.
0: Thank you, Alberto.
1: Why don't we start by learning a little bit about Quorum. Again, 280 years old, not many charities who have that pedigree.
0: No, that's right. Coram is the oldest and arguably one of the most progressive and developmental of children's organizations, founded in 1739 by Thomas Coram, who was uh, a trader, uh, a shipbuilder, who determined that the world must change for children who he could see uh, littering, their bodies littering uh, the streets of London at the time. And he created the founding hospital, as it was originally called, uh, in order to save those children's lives and to give them uh, a chance in life to serve the nation. Today, Corum is distinctive for being on the same place, committed to the same purpose, at the heart of a children's sector to which it argu- arguably gave birth. And most importantly, for being a group of children's charities, of specialist organizations, united in the common goal to create better chances for children and to be a national center of excellence.
1: Mm. Now, it's been around for almost 300 years, and and Thomas Coram, not just a philanthropist, but we could also argue a social entrepreneur back in the day.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, Thomas Coram was born in Lyme Regis, um, he was apprenticed to the merchant's fleet. When he was 11, he went on to do an apprenticeship as a shipwright. Um, his shipyard is today uh, the Taunton Yacht Club uh, in New England. And so he was involved in the, uh, the generative era of the formation of the United States. Um, and even in 1696, he was challenging the preconceptions of the day by calling for the education of girls because they held in their arms the future of the nation. And when he returned to England as already an old man, he used his knowledge and understanding of trade associations to create his charity. So there were subscribing governors. And he continued his work uh, for 17 years to campaign to create the charity and also continued his work as an advocate of trade. He was involved in the uh, development of the uh, TAR Act and the HAT Act. And indeed, as a result of his work, the Hatters Company Mm -hmm. um, gave him Hats for Life. So in order to create his organization, he first of all, had to get that license to trade or what we might call the Royal Charter, uh, the first of its kind uh, in 1739, to create the organization holding this secular mission in trust. And he then had to achieve the resourcing. He had to get the capital in order to build the hospital on the site that we currently occupy. And he did that by turning to Um, other distinguished figures of the day, none of whom were members of the aristocracy, which is one of the extraordinary things about it. Mm. And those friends were the great artist, William Hogarth, and the great composer, Handel. So I am very fortunate that I have a theme tune, and it is the Hallelujah Chorus. In 1749, Handel, who was a governor, wrote the foundling hospital anthem, and bequeathed it to us. And he bequeathed to us a copy of Messiah so that it should always be used for the benefit of the children. And William Hogarth painted uh, one of the most important portraits in English portraiture, a full length, beautiful portrait of his friend, Thomas Coram in 1740. And it was in fact, these two men, not Bob Geldof, or other uh, modern uh, philanthropists who invented the idea of the art auction or the fundraising concert.
1: Mm. What a privilege to be running such an organization.
0: Yes, we walk in the footsteps of history. Um, History is alive and well here in Coram, in the sense that everything we do is based on the principle that you need to understand your past in order to uh, make changes in the present and to be in control of your future. You can write a new story.
1: How did you get into this? How did you end up where you are today? I know you're not just a chief executive, but you also personally, I think I would describe you as a social entrepreneur. And while the organization itself may have a long history behind it, as you mentioned earlier, it is progressive. And also organizationally speaking, it's been doing some really interesting strategic growth and innovation in the market. Tell me a little bit about your your history, your narrative, getting to where you are, and then we can delve into the organization's progress.
0: Yes. Uh, well, I became chief executive of Quorum, having served as a commercial director for another charity in the youth sector where that was very exciting and um i love fundraising which is a wonderful thing for a chief executive in the modern sure. era since so that's the principal nature of the job um but was very much inspired to join quorum because very important though it is that youth work is done uh, very often the the determinants of a child's pathway are actually in place in their earliest years. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you experience deprivation, neglect or abuse in your earliest months and years, these leave a neurological and an emotional footprint. And so it's particularly important that that cycle is broken. And that's very much uh, been the origins of Coram since Thomas Coram was rescuing infants from the streets. Before that, I had had the privilege to work as the first ever director of marketing at the British Museum, one of the largest visitor destinations, of course, and one of the world's great uh, museums with a hugely important collection. Indeed, one might describe it as the memory of mankind. Mm. So that sense of heritage is something that is deeply important to me, but also its relevance, and the British Museum is one of the world's most accessible organizations, um, which defended free admission uh, when that was an issue in the UK, because it believes that it serves the world in holding in trust that great legacy and constantly interpreting and reinterpreting it uh, to make sense of civilization. And I had come to that from having worked in the university sector, a great commitment to meritocracy really, mm. uh, to open access and the fact that you can make your way in the world through education, um, but also through entrepreneurship. I am the daughter of a self-made man and from that you never recover.
1: <laughs> and tell me about the actual work of Quorum. So you're focused on on children and I know you have different angles Uh, regarding justice, regarding access to education, uh, educational exclusion, volunteering, mental health, well-being. There's so much going on. Tell us a little bit if if we're trying to conceptualize what Quorum is today.
0: Well, Quorum is committed to the rights, welfare and education of children. Um, We are a group of organizations that combine those specialisms to address the well-being of the whole child, Indeed, the global child and increasingly our work is global in both senses, in the sense of the different multifaceted issues that affect children's wellbeing, um, but also um, the ways in which the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child, which is the most um, endorsed convention of all, is or is not alive and well and utilised uh, in nations across the world. We are speaking just 30 years, just a few days before the 30th anniversary of uh, the United Kingdom signing up to the United Nations Convention. And yet there are 150 different ways in which international scrutiny has indicated that we here in a relatively mature and well-resourced infrastructure are still falling short in realising our commitment to children. And that is what quorum is about. So in our group, we have a dedicated children's legal center and quorum voice, which is dedicated to the voice of the child in decisions that matter. Rights have to be able to be realized. They need to be enshrined and they need to be accessible. And every child needs to be heard in the things that matter for their life. The, the access to education is a fundamental uh a fundamental tool for a child's development and for the future of our society. Mm -hmm. And yet so many children um, around the world, but here in the UK, are actually denied this access, particularly there is concern about the growing levels of educational exclusion, but also mental health uh, Mm -hmm. and well-being of children. This is an extraordinary generation the first generation to live its life in public through the virtual world. And we may be the least equipped generation in history to bring up our children in readiness for the world they will occupy, as opposed to perhaps the one we sometimes wish that they would live in. So within the quorum group, we are addressing uh, all of these uh, factors uh, of education, mental health, and voice, and legal access. But also, right back to Thomas Quorum, we provide uh, loving families for those who need them, who have needed to be removed uh, from their birth family for their own protection. And we work across all parts of the children's services sector as a convener, as the creator of practice of the champion of the best. Best practice can be achieved. Therefore, best practice must become the only practice. Mm. And this is where Quorum is a very unusual organization, partly because it is a group of charities sharing infrastructure um, and um, op- occupying the same strategic purpose, um, but also because it both does And says so we are learning all the time from what we do in practice changing the world one life at a time but one life at a time is not enough we need to hardwire the systems and processes and support professional practice to ensure that every child has a fair chance and the best chance
1: Mm. and geographically speaking you're focused on the UK. Do you have access elsewhere as well?
0: Yes, we Our, our delivery activity is in the UK. Um, but our influence is worldwide through Quorum International, which is our socio-legal consultancy, which is working last year, worked with 29 countries uh, to address the issues around the rights uh, of children, both in law and in practice training, for example, the judiciary, enshrining regulations and procedures so that children's rights are a reality. They're not simply on the statute book.
1: Mm -hmm. What are the main issues regarding children's rights? Where are the main hurdles, the main difficulties?
0: Well, that is a vast question, Hmm. of course, and there is an answer for every specific location. But I think if I was... Having to uh, point to one and one which is very specific to our generation, it is migration right. and identity. So the UNCRC makes absolutely clear that every child has a right to a nationality and identity. But here in the UK today, we have 215,000 undocumented children, and of course, in those circumstances, they are their hold on access to services is fragile, they fall between the cracks mm. and the risks of exploitation become higher.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So if I had to point to one thing that is perhaps uh, specific to uh, to our era, uh, it would probably be that.
1: Yes. Tell me the, uh, when we spoke uh, a, a while back, we were talking about the, the work that you do, and there's a lot of um, uh, strategic focus in terms of making sure that the organization is truly excellent, that it is adhering to best practice, that it is innovating, and that it, that it isn't just innovating internally, but actually hopefully spreading its wisdom and expertise to other stakeholders in this yes. landscape. Tell me a little bit about that. Let's drill into something that, um, that would help our listeners visualize um, the work on the ground.
0: Okay, well, it's very hard to pick an example because I'm very proud to say that (laughs) innovation is a part of our DNA. But I will give you a specific example because perhaps it combines the elements that you're looking for in philanthropy, sustainability and entrepreneurship. Mm. So um, children who need to be removed uh, into the care of the state for their own protection um, may wait a long time for the decisions of the courts to grind through their processes. And they may be waiting in foster care uh, for a long time and experiencing the many moves, these moves that we have already spoken about that are so damaging to the formation of their ability to relate to the world and to uh, have the courage to learn. Um, And Quorum is an adoption agency one mm-hmm. of the largest adoption agencies. Now adoption is for the few children, not the many. For many children, uh, a period of foster care is a protective factor and they are able to return to their family and that gives their family the opportunity to access support. But for children, for example, who are born drug addicted in circumstances where parental capacity to care is unable to change in the time scale of the child, we really have a duty to act in the time scale of that child. So Coram was amongst those that pioneered uh, a a practice called concurrent planning. And this was replicated and adapted from practice in the United States. So this global perspective is really important to achieving the best. And this enables you to, uh, what this does is that we prepare Um, adopters who are also approved foster carers so and they are very skillfully supported so that um, whilst the court is absolutely rightly fully testing uh, whether the uh, an adoption is the right thing uh, for this child the child is living with foster carers who could go on to adopt them So in what I am describing, I hope you can see the complexity and importance and profound nature of the work. The child gaining what they need, stability, affection and love to repair damage that they have experienced. But fairness, transparency and support to see whether the birth family is able to change and to develop their caring capability whilst supervised by the court, whilst engaging in contact, whilst the adopters are having to take the risk that the child may go home. Now, in that context, Coram not only pioneered that practice, um, but also evidenced it. We have undertaken longitudinal research over 25 years to demonstrate the benefits to children of this And to inform the system and the sector on how we can use this evidence from our youngest and most vulnerable children of what support we need to put into place. Even when children uh, have an opportunity for stability at the earliest point in their life, many of them will go on to have some long lasting impacts. And so having done that, we then needed to promote that. We needed to help the sector to address it. And it is one of the proudest days of my life that the then Prime Minister of the United Kingdom visited Coram to meet our families in order to say that inspired by our practice, he was changing the law in order to make sure that this method was considered in every case where it could be an appropriate solution and to make sure That this very difficult practice uh, was able to be applied across the country. We formed, uh, we developed a national quality mark Mm -hmm. supported by the UK government um, in order that people could develop their practice to try to mainstream this activity. So that is a long explanation, but how does it relate to? social entrepreneurship and philanthropy. It evidently is about sustainability for a child, for making that decision early, for um, achieving uh, the best possible value from a a state intervention for a child. Well, the reason is that there was a day at which I went uh, and had the privilege to be adopted as the benefiting charity by Lloyds of London. And I put to them, that unless I had their support, I may not be able to achieve this systemic impact. And I remember saying to them that we were a heritage brand in the risk business, and so were they. And they smiled, and they agreed. And it's as a result of that philanthropic gift, sustained over three years, that concurrent planning has become now an embraced part of the system
1: hmm tell me the um, the income that uh, that you receive what, what does that look like uh, where does it come from
0: right well uh, quorum as a group uh, as I was explaining the quorum charity is the parent body of the group of nine organizations um, which are consolidated so this is a corporate model mm-hmm. of subsidiary operating uh, entities and our combined turnover is 25 million. And that is up from 6.5 million when I joined as CEO. You
1: must, you must, be, you must be doing something right.
0: We, well, what we are doing right is welcoming organizations that share the appropriate values and the same strategy and asking, why would you not? You, you know, we have excellent infrastructure that enables you to realize your goal the rules of engagement are clear, and they include no duplication, so that every ounce of what we are doing is building our expertise and delivering that expertise to maximum benefit. Within the group, uh, perhaps I might say that part of the operating model here is that a spread risk is a better risk. Mm -hmm. So each part of the group has a different blend of income between heavily statutory over to heavily philanthropic. Everyone has a mixed economy that includes trading as well. But uh, uh, we have to raise um, from philanthropic sources five of our 25 million. And that is absolutely crucial. It is absolutely right that our partners in the statutory sector, and that is what they are, Uh, are funding the um, delivery that we make against their needs today, Mm -hmm. the placement of a child today. But it is not possible, for example, for a local authority in the UK to be funding what other people might also need to learn from that for tomorrow. And that is where our philanthropic partners Absolutely crucial. That is the social entrepreneurship, the use of the information for the prediction of of risk and new needs and the development of solutions, either to uh, intractable old problems or to new problems. And that is what Quorum is about. So the return on that investment to our philanthropic supporters is, we like to believe, outstanding
1: Mm. and tell me out of the uh, 25 million total income you mentioned the 5 million philanthropic income um right now we're we're in a very very difficult place with the coronavirus COVID 19 are you concerned about the um the philanthropic income
0: yes um How can I say anything other than the fact that this is going to result in a fundamental change to every organization? Uh, There will be an enormous pressure, uh, not only on cash, which of course will, like any small or medium-sized enterprise, uh, be an absolutely critical thing, but also to the entire way in which we serve our constituencies. So, I think I would say really that I still hold to the lessons of Shackleton um, about the importance of the skills and attributes you have in your team to adapt when the iceberg floats the wrong way, Mm. as it did for Shackleton, or the ship gets squashed by the ice, and that leadership is about giving that end in view and marshalling those skills and talents, motivation and inspiration to find the way out of the challenge that we face. So at present, I am focused with my management team on the question of purposefulness. I am a great believer in duty. And Thomas Coram said, I believe everyone ought in duty to do any good they can. And we are focused on what good can we do with our skills and expertise at this time of great crisis. We are offering our expertise to local authorities um, because of the risks that may increase to children in child protection. Uh, We are making sure that our helplines and our national safety net that we have the privilege to deliver is absolutely on the top of its game. So it is a duty that we respond in that way. But we really do need to look also at productivity. Are we absolutely certain that every thing that we are doing, every pound that we are spending is being utilised to the maximum benefit that we exist for? And that is going to result in further modernization and rapid development uh, further in this organization and in others. If A, you are going to survive and and B, you are going to thrive, the world does not owe you lunch. Mm
1: -hmm. When you're speaking with your donors, when you're speaking to your stakeholders, um, you obviously have a great story of where you've been. But when you're talking about where you want to go for the next 10 years and what success looks like for the next 10 years, what is that?
0: Well, Quorum has a vision as a national centre of excellence, indeed an international centre increasingly. Um, and that is about the marshalling of talent and expertise, solutions to the problems that we see um, and which are shared uh, with the sector through professional development as an academy and that are driving the Institute of Ideas, the discourse for children, the biggest challenge for children at the moment in the United Kingdom, is that children, there are more children than ever before in our history, but they are in the smallest minority of the population ever in history. The resource scales are tipped the wrong way. And it's extremely important that as a nation, and indeed globally, that we look to the needs of the next generation in order that we are able to um, develop and thrive on the basis of the values that we hold dear in our society. And one of our centerpieces to our vision is that quorum is the story of care. We are the story of the and of the place. That was the origin and we believe the future of children's social care and what that means for social response to our next generation. Mm. And so we are digitizing our great historic archive and young people in care today are utilizing and relating to that heritage to find their way in the world in their own story today. And fundamentally to change the future for tomorrow.
1: That's wonderful. Are you feeling optimistic?
0: Yes, I'm always an optimist. <laughs> I say that because there is always the opportunity to turn the page. In the choices that we make, we can determine which direction we head. And that is true of every single one of us. I have the privilege to lead a group of organizations that are supremely dedicated and coherent and combined in their mission and purpose. And together, we shall therefore find new ways, new innovations and new productivity that will enable us not only to remain relevant, uh, but to
1: serve. That's wonderful. Is, um, as we're coming up to the, uh, to the end of our conversation today, tell me, is there a key takeaway that you'd love for our audience to keep in mind? What would you like to leave our listeners with?
0: Given the moment at which we speak, I think I would quote from rather badly and inaccurately from the poet Rilke, who said, who talks of victory, to see it through is everything. But I think for me personally, I would return to my quote from Thomas Coram, which is I believe everyone ought in duty to do any good they can. And there is an astonishing level of good that is capable in the in the world. So I would ask everyone, how are you serving?
1: That's a great that's a great way to wrap things up.
0: I will leave you with one comment
1: mm-hmm.
0: that we have on our wall which is from Anne Frank, Mm -hmm. 1944. Said, isn't it wonderful that no one need wait a single minute before they start to improve the world?
1: Mm. Uh, we, We couldn't finish it any better. Carol, thank you so very much for your time and for your insight. Today, it's been an absolute pleasure. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. Please subscribe. It makes a really big difference. And also please share with others. Carol, thank you really very, very much. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you and learning from you as well.
0: Thank you, Alberto.
1: Thank you for listening to the Do One Better podcast. If you want to find out more about our show, about our guests, additional links and resources, visit our website at legi.org. That's L-I-D-J-I.org. And don't forget, success at the Do One Better podcast is about inspiring you to be more philanthropic to think more about sustainability and to embrace social entrepreneurship. Hopefully these stories will encourage you to take action and change the world around you for the better.